The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Chiefs' kingdom, welcome into the latest episode, the latest edition of the Out of Structure podcast, coming to you Tuesday, September 12th. Week two of the 2023 NFL season. I'm Ron Cobb Jr., lead analyst at the site, arrowheadpride.com. With me, as always, my guy Matt Stagner at StagDSP on Twitter. Stags, we are coming to the people today with great news, I think, right? Chris Jones is, is, is back in the fold, man. We got it with the holdout is over. We're, we're back, man. How do you how are you feeling about Chris Jones being back in the fold? Hey, it's it's better than waiting until week eight. So we'll, we can start there. <laughs> like, hey. Yes. Week two is better than week eight, so that's good. He's back in the mix, which is solid. Obviously, we would all love to be able to sit here today and say he's locked in for the rest of his career and they don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. The fact that it's just a one-year deal, you know, tearing up this year's contract and replacing it with one that's pretty similar, adding in some extra incentives, is strange way to resolve this. But to me, it just says that they weren't going to resolve it and he was just time to get back to work. Yeah, no, we're getting right into it with the fact that Chris Jones is is back. And and like you mentioned, the deal isn't too much different than than what he would have played on before, right? He's just got incentives now. And so the incentives for the deal to break it down for the people, he's got he gets one million if he plays thirty-five percent of the snaps. He gets one million if he plays fifty percent of the snaps. He gets one point two five million if he gets ten plus sacks this season. He gets another five hundred K if he gets to fifteen sacks. And then Stags, here's the here here are the juicy ones, one million to be a first team All Pro and a Super Bowl appearance appearance, but then another two million if he's actually the Defensive Player of the Year and the Chiefs win a Super Bowl, a little parlay action to get two million for him, all that adding up to six point seven five million in incentives, going against three point seven million in fines. Stags, that's kind of the crazy part here is, you know he's he's doing all this to maybe gain. Three million if he hits all of those, and and if he doesn't hit the crazy ones, we're talking about you know only getting gaining maybe a million, million and a half. That's that's the 
crazy part about this tag is it really does feel like, you know, the Chris Jones side kind of realized uh, or, or just kind of, you know, surrendered, wave, wave the white flag, and, and this is kind of the most they could get out of, of, uh, of what they got, uh, you know, wh- where the situation went. Yeah, I thought it was suspicious that the announcement of him signing came from the team, and they spoke profusely about the agent, uh, the Cats the brothers. They talked a lot about how, you know, they worked diligently to make sure they got this done, and that this was, you know, credit to them for, for their great work. It really felt like somebody in this deal was trying to save face, uh, and it wasn't Chris Jones, and it wasn't the Chiefs. Um, so it is a, a strange way to resolve this. It really, again, feels like they just punted. They said, you know what? We're not getting anywhere. Let's just give him a chance to earn back the, the fines, and, and we'll, we'll kick the can down the road till, till next year. Uh, that's what it looks like to me, and again, the agents yeah. are able to sort of spin it in a way that says oh we got him a raise but when your raise is dependent upon you both being the defensive player of the year and winning the super bowl those are two of the the most lofty goals possible um and he's never been defensive player of the year he's been you know roughly in the running last year but mm-hmm. he's gonna have a up an uphill climb to get to that level anyway so that would be, you know, a classic example of the not likely to be earned incentives uh, that would be counted on next year's cap if he were to hit it um, and, and not this year's. But to me, that raises another question is how in the world are they going to pay uh, for Chris Jones's current contract with the salary cap this year? Right. The whole idea here was to get a long term deal lowering that first year cap hit and clearing up space for this year and locking him in for the long term. They accomplished neither of those two things. <laughs> so something is going to have to give with the rest of the, the uh, roster over the next few days. No, it's a really good point. Jared Sapp, I was kind of seeing his tweets this morning, uh, mentioning some of that. You know, he can practice under a ro- roster exemption right now. So the che- teams actually doesn't have to necessarily make any roster moves right now until Saturday at the latest, right? Because that's the latest they can activate him put him on the active roster and then have him ready for Sunday, which it does sound like he'll play. He's, he's, he's kind of mentioned that himself on Twitter. No reason why he wouldn't be playing in week two. And so it is a really good point. Are we going to see some restructures from guys like Travis Kelsey again? Uh, Mahomes. I mean, I, I'm not sure how likely that is, uh, you know, Harrison Butker, someone, you know, maybe they, they could, they could squeeze some money, you know, Joe Tooney, if they don't want to cut him after this year, if they want to kind of keep him around for the, the remainder of his contract, he's got two years remaining. So, it is. It is interesting. It, it it is interesting. They're gonna have to do something. You you make a good point because I believe the number is, you know, they they need seven or eight million in in cap space to to make this work with his number now. The, the not likely to be to be earned incentives. You're right. Does does kind of lower it a little bit from the twenty five mil it's, uh, he he can make, but it's still about a twenty seven million dollar cap hit, I believe, um, because that's that's the, that's the cap hit, and that's what they're going against. Yeah, and the the sack incentives, if you compare it against last year. Those are probably likely to be earned, right? I mean, he, that's exactly that's what he did last year. So, yeah. so yeah, there's no cap relief in this deal for the Chiefs. Well, shoot. And the thing with it too is, it was kind of curious: is that would the Chiefs do a no franchise tag deal with Jones? To maybe that's a way that Jones, that Jones could kind of win this side. Their agents could kind of say they won this negotiation, not being able to be tagged next off season. But that didn't happen, and and the Chiefs are still able to franchise franchise tag him and right now that 120 percent of his cap hit would be 32.4 million 
But Jason over the cap actually mentioned on Twitter that because of that proration of him missing that first game and the and uh, maybe some of that workout bonus too, it could actually only be about thirty point five million for his franchise tag number next year, which is very doable again for an elite defensive player, and it makes it a little easier, right, than the maybe a two more million uh, to trade him if they want to do that. It does put the Chiefs in good position uh, next offseason as well. They'll still have uh, some of the leverage, even though that number is still pretty big. And, and having that big of a cap hit without, you know, maybe necessarily knowing if you're going to trade him or not right away could be, you know, could impact your free agency potentially. Yeah, we could be looking at another Orlando Brown Jr. situation where they just decide not to trade him, let him test the market. And if they sign him, great. If not, they don't. You'd hate to see him walk without some sort of return. So I think tag and trade, you know, would be a, a logical scenario in, in that in that regard. But as we look at the reported offers for Chris Jones from the Kansas City Chiefs, one of them reportedly, again, who knows what, what's true and what's not, but one of them reportedly was a two-year deal, all guaranteed money that averaged something like $27, $28 million, um, per year. That essentially is the same thing as what he would get if he plays this deal out and gets tagged next year. Um, so I could see why, from their perspective, the Jones camp perspective, you wouldn't necessarily want to sign that because it's the same thing as guaranteeing yourself that you get tagged next year. Players don't like to be tagged. He's not going to want to be tagged. And so the the Chiefs at least retain that option. Whether they choose to exercise it or not is still uh, TBD. Yeah, no, you're right. And and it's it's really interesting to see if – and we may never know, obviously, but, you know, did Chris Jones – did the Chiefs still have that offer on the table, you know, at this point? Or did they say, look, you know, you've – held out to this point like we don't want to maybe make that deal to this point we we pulled it you know that might 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 have been part of their negotiation to kind of you know use their leverage now and so yeah it's 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 fascinating i think uh was it albert breer i saw on twitter mentioned that there shouldn't be any acrimony uh between the chiefs and chris jones uh moving forward which you know i that's just a reporter saying that you know you don't know for sure if you know if there is going to be you know anything in that sense i'm curious those tags maybe the last thing here is just you know, are we going to see an agency change, you know, before too long? Because I really feel like, all along, I've really felt like it's this agency really pushed the limit and, and maybe maybe gave Chris some bad advice. And, and the fact that he missed a game, honestly, I, I don't think it ever needed to get to that point. And so I, I think in that, in my opinion, in that to that extent, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Chris kind of maybe does before the next time he's negotiated that contract next offseason gets a, a, a new uh, agency. Yeah, it's, it's hard to, to speak to that. We don't know the ins and outs of their relationship of there. But, you know, coming into the last year of a contract where he's already pretty well paid, it's not like he was going to starve if he didn't sign this deal this year. This was an odd time for this holdout to occur. It makes perfect sense if they were to franchise tag him next year and then he would hold out and fight against the franchise tag. Players do that all the time when they had that option. I know the CBA sort of restricted what they can do there, but it is strange to see this holdout at this point in the game when, you know, what, what, what did they gain from it? You know, and, and exactly. I think looking back revisionist history, you're going to, you're going to say, well, there's nothing to be gained from this holdout. So why would, why even, why even bother, you know, taking it to the length that they did? Why not play out the last year of your deal and, and live to fight another day? Um, Again, they're going to try to spin it now that, oh, well, we got him a raise this year, so it was totally worth it. But it's going to be tough for him to hit all those incentives, having already missed a game and yeah. coming in without any training camp and, and a little practice. You know, he's going to have to really hit the ground running 
and, and have another career type season. And so, yeah, is it a win to say for the Chiefs? You got a very motivated Chris Jones for uh, 16 games plus the playoffs. Yeah. Contract season back to back of Chris Jones. I think that's that that can be looked at as a win for sure. No. And and I, I do think, though, maybe a maybe a more you know experienced agency maybe would have understood that the Chiefs weren't budging. And so pushing it as far as they did wasn't going to help their case. And it didn't. And so. That's that's my only point. But, hey, you know, Chris obviously has some loyalty, uh, you know, uh, to an extent with the, with these guys. And uh, and he has loyalty to the Chiefs because he never wavered. He always wanted to be here. And so shout out, Chris. Can't wait to see him sacking Trevor Lawrence on Sunday. But that leads to the big question here, Stags. And, and you know, we can get back into, you know, the talk of a, a 0 and one, you know, finally. I, I, you know, I know we kind of avoided it with this Chris Jones talk off the bat, but. You know, the Chiefs did lose their season opener uh, in, in Arrowhead on banner night, uh, 21-20 to the Lions. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to answer your questions later on, too, on this episode. You guys uh, asked some good uh, Twitter questions. We'll say, make sure if you do want to ask them for future episodes, we are going to be dropping that question Monday mornings uh, on the Arrowhead Pride Twitter account. Uh, it's going to tweet every Monday asking you for your questions. Make sure you submit them there, or if you don't, if you're not on Twitter or X, I guess it's called now. Uh, make sure you email it to apoutofstructure at gmail.com. We'll get them there too, and can definitely answer any questions you got about the previous game, about the Chiefs in general, big picture. But I got a question for you, Stags. Can we kind of just forget about Week One now? You know, Chris Jones <laughs> is back. Travis Kelsey hopefully is 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 not injured all the rest of the AFC top tier loss, unless, you know, the Dolphins, you know, the Dolphins and Jaguars, uh, you know, if you want to call them, you know, and Hey, we lost to the lions. They're not like an AFC contender, you know, they're not going to affect the seating necessarily. Can we just forget week one ever happened? What do you think? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think we can, <laughs> we can move right past <laughs> it. The chiefs, you know, played a, a pretty solid opponent in, in prime time on, on banner day. It was a weird game missing two of their top three best players. Uh, in coming into the start to start the season, a lot of things went wrong. That if one of those little things went right, you know they they win this game and we're having a totally different conversation. So so yeah, I'm fine uh, letting letting week one be uh, preseason game number four and and moving on into the regular season starting now. I think this Jacksonville game is going to be a, a really interesting matchup. Well, before we get into that, let's let us talk through what we saw Thursday night. Um, and, and you always put together the winners and losers on the site for us post game. Make sure you check that out. Uh, if you're if you follow the site, make sure after every game you look at some winners and losers. Just a, a nice, fun way to, to recap what happened on the day. Highlights of the winners. I mean, obviously, Mahomes, uh, you know, he had a. He dealt with a lot and and still, you know, made some plays. You know, he scrambled effectively. I think there was a lot there. But definitely want yeah. to shout out some of the de- – the de- oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say on Mahomes is uh, it, it was kind of odd putting him in the winner's category when his quarterback ranking and his yards per attempt and all that stuff were, were worse than what they typically are. But I think if you watch right. this game, this was clearly uh, a frustrating game for him, a tough game for him, but one where he did – he did enough to win this game and, and put, put players in position to make plays. Um, it, it's pretty tough to fault him for, for what happened there. That's no, absolutely. I totally agree. I pointed out his passer rating was 77. It was the worst among his 19 games of his career where he has not been sacked because he wasn't sacked on Thursday. He did not get brought down one time. The pass protection was, was pretty good for the most part. There were some breakdowns where he had to scramble out of it, but not getting sacked and having a 77 passer rating that, that, that says 
that receivers weren't getting open or they weren't executing. And obviously we kind of saw that and we'll get to that in the losers, but let's talk about Felix Anaduke Ozama real quick. And, and, and Trent McDuffie, some of these defensive players you put on here, uh, Felix, I, I was impressed with how much he was able to, to create mm-hmm. penetration. He's someone that wills his way into the pocket at times. And I saw that in the preseason, but I really didn't think he'd be able to do that right away against this Detroit Lions offensive line specifically. It was a tough matchup for a rookie coming in, uh, even a first rounder. You know, you, you kind of want to temper expectations for these types of guys and say that they're going to work them in over the over the course of a season. But the Chiefs are going to have to lean on him a little bit more, given Charles O'Minihue's suspension, given Chris Jones being out. They needed a pass rusher, and and he showed a different element that maybe they haven't had, uh, especially with Frank Clark gone. You know, he was able to, to to really get around the edge and nearly had a safety in his first NFL game. That would have been a, a really nice highlight uh, for him to have, you know, against the Lions, and, and he was he was inches away from that play. Uh, but yeah, two quarterback hits and thirteen pass rush snaps is, is good production wow. in a limited uh, you know debut, and he'll have uh, he'll have a lot more opportunities going forward. Well, the losers we'll we'll talk about plenty of this podcast, so we don't want to get into to mo- the majority of your losers. But you did mention the Kansas City running game, which I thought was was a little just you know blah. Um, what did you yeah. see from the run game on Thursday? Yeah, I mean, it, it felt predictable. It felt like the the blocking wasn't always there, and when it was, the the backs didn't seem to to follow it, uh, or the timing wasn't there. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but there was. I think there seems like there's some schematic or some play calling issues related to it. I don't want to put the blame on the shoulders of of either of the running backs, particularly. That's why I called out the whole running game uh, as a unit because. You know, it takes a lot of coordination for a running game to work well. It's not just do you have a fast running back or do you have, you know, a, a good interior offensive line. But that's part of what concerns us about this running game is the fact that the Chiefs have arguably arguably the best interior offensive line in the league and an absolute road grader at right right guard uh, that just destroys people in the run game when he gets a chance. Uh, why aren't they better at running the football? Man, it's I know I tweeted a similar thing right after the game. Just why can why do we have the best interior offensive line, and why do we not aren't we not able to convert short yardage scenarios? Why are we not able to you know just run up the middle? I also pointed out Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, a lot of his runs were off tackle, not a lot of vertical get downhill and and get going up the middle. And I just if we can't create those kind of plays, you're wasting the talent you have in that spot, like you mentioned, in the interior offensive line. So. And a lot of people pointed this out, and, and again, there's there's a lot more to X and O's than, than I'll ever totally understand, but why they call those outside zone plays to the short side of the field into just a, a pile <laughs> of, of, of bodies, uh, it, it's pretty tough to understand. I don't know, do you have a perspective on that? Am I, am I and, and the other people on Twitter missing something? Like It, it sure seems like if you're going to run – uh, a play that requires some spacing, uh, you'd want to do it to the to the you know side of the field that's that's not compressed. Absolutely, I think one of the things there, first of all, is just you know in general you do hit the backside for big runs on those kind of plays, and so you're you know the backside cut would be more into the you know open space. But if you're running the game the play into the tight side too the linebackers everyone knows they have you know less space to work with there so they can maybe cheat a little bit back so yeah you're right it is silly to me too 
you know, you just don't have the backs that get to the, the off tackle fast enough to really threaten linebackers, right? You want to run those plays when you have guys like, you know, I, Jameer Gibbs, <laughs> you know, we saw him with the lines. You want to have guys that can fly to the, the off tackle. I think guys like, Pache you know, Pache Pacheco can get there a little quicker than obviously Clyde can, but either way, that's just not necessarily their strength. And especially to me from the shotgun position, instead of under center, you know, it's a lot harder for them to, you know, go from going completely horizontal to the sideline and then try to turn up and cut up, the, uh, cut up and see those cutback lanes when they're from shotgun. Rather, if you're under center, you can, you're kind of more, uh, your chest is more forward most of the time. And you can kind of see everything. That's impacting it too. I've never understood why they, they run outside zone so much from uh, shotgun. Mahomes can run from under center. Just do it. It's not, I know it's not predictable as, or it's not, you know, they don't have their RPO game maybe from that as much, but the running backs would be benefited. And so would the offensive line, honestly. It seems like as a running back, when you're under shotgun, you're a little bit more flat-footed when you start the play as well. Like you, right. you like to have that under center where you've got some forward momentum where you can hit that hole quick, um, and, and especially if you don't have the fastest running backs. I mean, obviously Pacheco's not slow, but but Clyde sometimes takes a little bit to get going. So I think you really want to, if you're going to run Clyde, you might want to run a, a, a something that he can do effectively and – standing flat-footed in shotgun and running outside zone is just rarely ever going to be effective for, for Clyde. Well, let's talk about more things from Thursday night because before the game, uh, uh, people who listen, we kind of talked through a few things about the matchup. One thing was we were all concerned, right, about the Lions' offensive line overwhelming the Chiefs' defensive line without Chris Jones, without Charles Amenehue. Got to say, Stags, they held up. They held up pretty good. Uh, you know, guys like Mike, Mike Dana stepped up. Uh, you know, he had the sack and he played very well on the edge in the run game, in my opinion. Guys like Keandre Coburn, I, I think we're strong up front. Derek Naughty had one of his best games in a while. Got to give him credit. I'm someone that that gets on him hard. But he was he was pretty stout against a good Detroit offensive line. I don't know. We, we got to feel good about this, right? This is a there, there's nothing really to, to mince about this. I think the Chiefs defensive line showed up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the Lions ran for 118 yards, which is not nothing, but it's not uh, it's not a lot. I mean, you're talking about under four yards of carry. And this is a, that, that's the key right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, they, yeah, they, they tried to run the ball 34 times. So that's a you know, they thought they could run the ball on this defense. And, and I don't think it's I don't think they got the results they were expecting, um, you know, and in the passing game only. Only three or only one sack, excuse me, for on the day. Uh, but there was a decent amount of pressure. They manufactured some things. They had, you know, as we talked about, uh, Felix had a couple quarterback hits. They had uh, Mike Dana got home once. Le uh, LeJerry Sneed uh, got in the backfield a little bit. So they they did what they can do without Chris Jones. And I don't think there's anything to, to hang your head about on the way this defense as a whole played. I mean, the, the fact that they only allowed 14 – points from the Lions offense uh you know outside of that that pick six uh this was a uh, a pretty solid performance and and certainly gave the team a chance to win the game from the defensive perspective yeah I mean Dana had the batted pass to Carl Loftus he had uh, a few pressures and a batted pass as well um the secondary I think played pretty well you know I you know at first you know Justin Reed had was a little shaky out of the gate I will say um, but he kind of, you know, he kind of locked in down the down the stretch, made a few key tackles. Uh, Trent McDuffie was very good, I will say. Uh, I, I'm really, you know, I'm, McDuffie seems like he's really coming in. And, and you know, the linebackers were flying around a little bit. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think, you know, overall the defense just, just did its job. And, and this really was one of those things where well, let's flip to the other side, the chiefs, <clears throat> you know, offense, you know, especially in the past game, didn't get it done. And, and I think you got to give credit to the Detroit defense. We were talking about it, but they really did, you know, revamp it with guys like Cha- Chauncey Gardner Johnson. They drafted Brian Br- Branch, rookie Jack Campbell. All three of those guys were, were making plays. Obviously, Branch had the pick six off Tony's hands, but, you know, he also made other plays. Jack Campbell was all over the field. I got to give him credit. He looks like a stud. Um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson was closing in tight windows and just flying around. So, I mean, you got you to give credit to D- to Detroit for how they played. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Aiden Hutchinson is, is a budding star in this league. I think they've got, yeah. uh, they've got some talent there and they play, uh, they play a, a pretty fun brand of football. And, and so there's, it, you do have to give some credit to their defense, but really the concern for me, and I know we'll talk about the receivers individual performances in, in a minute, but really look like schematically and, and, from a, a route running perspective and from a, uh, being on the same page, this offense was just really out of sorts. And and that's that's concerning, obviously, in week one where you have allegedly the whole offseason to prepare for, for this day and then it doesn't, doesn't turn out the way you want it to. But there's some guys who should have been pretty comfortable in this offense that sure didn't appear to be this week. Yeah, no, I, I think one thing, and I know we will talk about it more, but uh, Kadarius Tony, you know, someone who didn't play the entire training camp or preseason, you know, he he didn't play a lot of snaps in this game either. He was one of the lowest snap t- counts on the receiver room, yet somehow ends up the most featured receiver of the entire group. Um, and, you know, that may speak to, you know, maybe him creating separation, but at the same time, man, you know, the, the, the way the ball was, was, was going, you know, Adam, the way he was, you know, looking around the ball, his body language after some of these negative plays he had, you know, he, he wasn't just a drop. There was another one where he faded into the linebacker too much and, and it got tipped away because of that. If he would have settled more, it would have been a big completion. You know, it, it, Andy took, Andy took blame for it. If you listen to Andy Reid on Monday, specifically, he said, look, I, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, take some of the credit for or take some of the blame for Kadarius Tony, maybe, you know, giving him a lot more than he maybe should have gotten right away. You know, it was his first action of, you know, of the season. Um, and so it, it was perplexing to me, but I think it says, uh, uh, you know, something about some other receivers too. So we'll talk about that. But there was just sloppy route running, sloppy route spacing, um, you know, Blake Bell running routes definitely had something to do with that as well. Trust me. Um, you know, he was way too, you know, too heavily featured in the, in you know, and the not too heavily featured, but there were times where him being in there just kind of lumbering around kind of screwed some things up. So let, let's get Travis Kelsey back, is, I guess is what I'm saying, Stacks. Yeah, Travis Kelsey could get 100 targets this week. It's, it's going to be uh, – <laughs> uh, Mahomes is going to be so happy to see him back out, out there when he drops back because we talked a little bit about this in the, in the pre-session here, but Mahomes really looked like he was a little indecisive. It looked like he didn't quite trust – what he was seeing. Uh, he hesitated a little bit more than what you'd like to see. The only times in his career we've seen him do that mostly has been when he didn't trust the offensive line, when he felt like pressure was coming and he right. had to he had to scramble, he had to get out quick, He whatever. When you see him hesitating like this, the other time you saw it, I guess, was when defenses started switching to this, uh, you know, kind of the cover two scenario, right? That's when when defenses were kind of playing back and, and taking away what he really wanted to do, made him hesitate a little bit. It seems like he was hesitating this week because guys weren't open. Guys weren't where he expected them to be. 
guys were running into each other and running in front of each other and doing some stuff that that you shouldn't see uh, in in an offense like this one, especially from relatively experienced players, the, the guys that were doing that. Yeah, I know. I, I the, And the thing is, the guys that, you know, were running probably the best routes and were, you know, made the biggest plays in the passing game were Justin Watson and MVS, the guys that have been here, pro, you know, a couple of years, the veterans, were more, you know, a little more reliable. They didn't get as many opportunities, obviously, uh, you know, as, as a Tony. Um, but, you know, they both made, you know, reliable plays down the field because they were where they were supposed to be for the most part, right? No, it's it it is interesting though the lions did come out and play a lot more zone coverage i think than maybe chiefs anticipate they only played 10 snaps of man coverage apparently according to nate tice on twitter great follow as always um and and that just kind of tells you that if you're if you're not beating man it's a talent thing for the most part you're not winning one on one against another guy but if you're not beating zone it's a mental thing. It's a, I, you know, I'm not running the routes correctly. I'm not running my spacing correctly. And that's what you saw. I mean, we all saw it. Um, and so it, it makes sense why they struggled. These receivers just were not operating as cleanly in their routes, you know, as they should have. And that all starts, I think, with maybe a Noah Gray over Travis Kelsey. As much as Noah Gray has improved probably over his three years, he's not a Hall of Fame tight end that, you know, literally just manipulates linebackers and safeties, you know, rolling out of bed i mean he just he just absolutely puts on a clinic when you don't have that in the middle of your defense kind of you know messing things up or in the middle of your you know pass coverage messing things up it, it does make everything harder for the receivers that maybe you know two days you know three days before the game thought they were gonna have a guy opening things up for them like that so it is it is just one of those things where i'm, I'm ready to see that you know like guys like sky Moore, Kadarius tony with with travis kelsey back in the mix but we'll talk more about that as we get going Absolutely. I think Kelsey is so effective because he's able to see that open space and anticipate and he and Mahomes have that connection. And so having him missing, uh, you know, really, really does affect a lot of things. And, and yeah, their ability to, to bust zone coverage. We thought Sky Moore might be pretty good against the zone. Uh, he, he wasn't uh, right. he wasn't great this week. No, absolutely not. I mean, let's I it is amazing to me. I mean, he Sky Moore led the receiver room in snaps but was primarily used as like a motion guy more so than, than a true, you know, route runner downfield only saw three targets. And two of those were, you know, out of structure, shout out the podcast name, uh, you know, not in the rhythm of the play, you know, kind of late kind of, you know, obviously the desperation heave at the end of the game, but also the one play uh, where kind of he had Mahomes had to throw over the linebacker tipped off Sky's hands. If you watch the beginning of that play, which I did uh, post on Twitter, you can see that sky was open immediately. Mahomes, looked this way kind of pumped it and you know i have people telling me that the linebacker you know he kind of got too close to the linebacker didn't settle down enough in my opinion there was a plenty of window there for for mahomes to get it to sky you know in the rhythm of the play get him going upfield it would have been a big play in the game it was on a third down i, I will say on the play you know you, you could see maybe mvs uh kind of peeking out deep and i think mahomes maybe wanted to test that all of a sudden and that's why he maybe might be uh maybe uh, pumped, but all of a sudden, once MBS was going deep, Aiden Hutchinson was in his face, and he had to kind of you know scramble. So it was kind of interesting. But all that to say, you know, I, I I think Sky Moore had had just didn't give it a fair shake in this game in terms of the coaching staff giving him opportunity to make plays, uh, Mahomes giving him opportunities to make plays. But that also could be an indictment on him. Uh, you know, why is he not getting those opportunities? Even though he's a second year receiver, everyone's talking him up this preseason. So yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to. This is not a comparison, but you think about Josh Gordon, who, who came Ooh. in and got a ton of snaps and hardly any targets and did absolutely nothing when he had targets. 
you don't want to see Sky Moore go that way. I'm again not making the comparison to very different players, very different points in their careers, but there's some precedent there to, for Chiefs having receivers get a lot of snaps that are not really that involved in the offense. Yeah, and we'll talk more about the receivers with your guys' mailback qu- questions. You guys ask some good ones, but let's go to break here, Stags, and let me throw you our second edition of What NFL Player Am I? Again, mm-hmm. weekly tradition. I'm always going to do a player that played for both the Chiefs and the Jaguars, so that's your first hint. Or Chiefs and the you know our future opponent, which is the Jaguars this week. I played for the Chiefs and Jaguars, more of a starter in Jacksonville, then settled into a backup role in Kansas City. The university I attended starts with M.I., playing multiple seasons as a starting quarterback and earning the right to be drafted. And I have won a Super Bowl in my supporting role. Who could this be, Stags? Who could this be? I'll give us some thought on break. Stick with us on the Out of Structure podcast. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're back on the Out of Structure podcast, about to answer mailbag questions, talk about the upcoming Chiefs-Jaguars game in week two. But, Stags, I, I gave you some hints, gave you some clues on who I, what NFL player am I that played for both the Chiefs and the Jaguars. Who did you come up with? So – I went right to Blaine Gabbert here uh, from yeah. you know, from Mizzou, my alma mater. Um, but you're saying there's a trick question here, so now I'm really starting <laughs> to second-guess myself. So I, I'm going to stick with Blaine Gabbert as, as my answer, but is, is there another answer to this question as well? Yeah, no, it's a, it's, it is a trick question because I'm sure some people, maybe not Missouri-minded, would, would straight to Chad Henney, uh, who also was a mm. starter, starter in Jacksonville, also settled into a backup role in Kansas City, and also intended – Michigan, M I C H I G A A N. So hey, and and he also won a Super Bowl. So yeah, I, I was seeing what you know. I, I figured the Missourian you would would get would think Gabbert right away. Um, and if, you know, I did kind of set it up with the M I. I mean, you know, you get you Tigers are that probably you know the song probably started popping right through your head as soon as I said that. So. We, we we can we can spell we can spell. All right. <laughs> Well, let's get to some mailbag questions here from our friends on Twitter, uh, starting with the dude at the dude. Um, should Justin Ross and Rasheed Rice get the majority of the snaps going forward? The eye test says they're the most talented receivers. Now, Ron did some work on the receivers this week uh, on arrowheadpride.com. Make sure you check out his article. Tell me what you saw from Ross and Rice. 
Well, yeah, Ross didn't get much of a, you know, opportunity this game, right? He played a few snaps. His only target was a just in quick game, you know, kind of a just five-yard completion. You know, Rasheed, though, you got you to give Rasheed credit. Uh, you know, he was someone that made plays in, in the scramble drill, you know, definitely, you know, caught that touchdown with, you know, he, he – he ran his you know, route correctly, found that space and settled. He didn't keep moving. Um, that's, that's, you know, a good thing. That's what we've been talking about this zone coverage stuff, you know, and on that touchdown, he, he worked into space and, and, and settled and then put his hands up and good, good hand straight for she, he's been hitting the ball, the, the, uh, you know, the, the ball drill. Wow. I can't even think of what the it's called. Judge so. machine. Yeah. Judge machine. <laughs> so I am impressed with Rashi. Um, I do want him to continue playing, but I think he got, you know, a good number of snaps for, you know, with all seven receivers healthy, I think that that's kind of how many you need to see from him maybe right away. Um, I don't think necessarily that needs to change uh, or not, because I do think there's definitely some rookie stuff. I pointed out on Twitter, there was one, you know, play where he's running a core route and, you know, again, Tony did this too, but he just kind of, you know, rice on this one kind of just sinks too much into the safety when he, if he just settles, he has, he's just into a wide open throwing window, but he just kind of kept moving. It kind of dissuaded Mahomes from throwing to him because the safety was a little closer, uh, closing in on him and, and Mahomes tried to scramble. It was a third down, uh, failure. So it's, it's, there are little things still with, with all the receivers and rice is still a rookie, but I was impressed with rice. I do think he needs to be, he needs to play. I mean, he, and he did, that's the thing. I, I think he did play quite a bit. Um, so I, I don't think it's something that needs to be necessarily like, change too much what do you think yeah i mean rice had a drop right but he he also had a big catch and run and and his first nfl touchdown i mean it's a really good start for him overall uh justin ross you know very limited action like you said i i don't think they're going to change anything at this point but maybe they were to some extent trying to just try out all seven of these receivers and kind of see what combinations work and and who fits into what role Maybe they're still trying to feel that out with Kadarius Tony just coming back. Um, I would love to see both of those guys continue to get work. I'm just not sure who it should be at the expense of, uh, given where everybody else plays. Yeah. Well, you know, Richie James played 23 snaps. Rasheed played 20. So maybe you could say, you know, maybe Rasheed can play a little more than Richie. Although I think they like Richie and 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 some of the you know, getting vertical stuff. He, he was running some posts, some, some of the deep stuff to be, you know, pushing safeties deep. Although I think Justin Watson did a really good job at that and, and MVS too. So I don't think they necessarily need Richie James too much for those things. And he was kind of that Tony replacement. Maybe well, if Tony's here, you know, and that's the one thing I will say about Tony is, is guys, he was getting open. I mean, the reason Mahomes kept throwing to him was because he was open. Um, they were featuring him on plays. There was actually one play that they tried to get him on a, kind of leaking vertically on the backside of a play action and the Lions just covered it up and also had some pressure kind of took it away but the Chiefs coaching staff clearly wants to go to him and clearly wants to use him and and he clearly kept you know getting into open space and Mahomes kept throwing to so you know drops are just one of these things where <laughs> they are volatile like you can't predict drops you know over you know year over year you know a lot of times receivers you know it's it's just up and down sometimes you know some people are definitely better worse at drops than others but I think if Tony just put, you know, I, I think those can be corrected. And so it, it is kind of funny, you know, he had such a terrible game, but it's, he also, you know, kept getting those opportunities for a reason over the other receivers. Yeah. You've kind of already answered Dan Grubb's question here. Will Mahomes have the confidence to throw to Tony this week? Uh, I, I do think they'll probably go right back to him. I and mean, I think he's, yeah. he's a special talent as far as the way he moves uh, on the NFL football field. And, and I think they're going to continue to try to get him involved. Andy Reid has also had a history of 
when a guy makes a mistake, giving him a chance uh, immediately to, to make up for that. When you see a guy have a turnover, they go right back to that guy nine times out of 10, it seems like. So I don't think there's going to be any step back for Tony. I think this was a, they'll chalk this up to a bad game and, and they'll move forward. Um, I, I will say though, but, yeah. I, I'm curious to see 15's confidence throwing to Sky more as the season goes on, just because man, it was weird that he just was shaky going to him on on that one play, and they just didn't want really want to use him. You know, this is someone they hyped up this preseason. This is someone everyone had good things to say about his progression. You know, and he had he said he's no longer thinking about what he has to do. He just has to beat the man in front of him. It just seems like that's not maybe the case. So I, I'm really curious to see if they go back to him, if 15 feels more confident going to him more than I am Tony. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like Sky Moore should have a, a really high-volume role in this offense. You know, a lot of targets, a lot of the Juju Smith-Schuster stuff. He, he should be the reliable guy, uh, the, the, the steady chain mover of this offense. And didn't look that way last week. Uh, I expect that he, they're not done trying with him. They've got uh, enough invested in Sky Moore that they're going to keep going yeah. back his way. But, but okay. you're right. It, there's a chemistry issue that that seems like it's it's needs to work itself out when it comes to Moore uh, and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, even his only target in rhythm, like I mentioned, he had three targets. Two of them were kind of you know out of, outside of the play. His one target in rhythm was was kind of behind him, and it looked like maybe a bad throw by Mahomes. But if you can kind of see maybe Mahomes being like. It was a it was a quick slant uh, from the slot, and you know maybe Sky just didn't run it in with the correct angle, not the correct timing. Um, you know you it, you know with Mahomes, I, I I tend to think you know he's the one right on it when when the ball is maybe behind, you know and and again he was kind of verbally doing the McColl stuff, which we always talked about, right? Stags mm-hmm. was we always could see it on TV, like oh you know you could see Mahomes doing that right after a com- incompletion to McColl. You hate to see that with Sky. I hope that's not a trend. Um, and because I am, I do want to see Sky's ability. I feel like he still could be a really solid receiver for this team. Yeah, I, I think Mahomes. There were others that have pointed out that maybe he was targeting. He was trying not to lead him into a hit, so he was kind of putting it more on his hip mm-hmm. as opposed to leading him more where he could have gotten lit up. Uh, he does a pretty decent job of not putting his receivers in a situation where they're going to be uh, exposed. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, maybe it's not where he expected the ball, the receiver expected the ball, but it's where the quarterback put it for his own for his own best interest. So, um, you know, there's a lot of questions here about getting new wide receivers. So uh, <laughs> golf me at Sportsnet STU. If we pick up a veteran wide receiver, can they pick up the playbook in short order? Uh, we've got uh, KS Chaser one on Twitter. Is catching the ball not a trait that the Chiefs value highly in, in when they acquire wide receivers? Um, and then there's a, another question from the dude. Should we trade up for Marvin Harrison Jr.? Um, do you see the Chiefs adding to the wide receiver room in any of these ways, whether free agency uh, or a huge move up in the draft next year? Um, are, they, are they looking for help in that room, or do they think they just need to, to sort it out amongst the guys they have? Yeah, I mean, I think I think this year, you know, I think I think they're good. I think the seven receivers they have, they're gonna they're gonna work and try to pro, uh, you know uh, develop them still, right? Obviously, we're, we're we're one weekend. We both know, you know, stags like you've been saying, like we just need to give it a little time. So yeah, the veteran receiver thing, I would say, is is out. Although you know, it, it is interesting. You know, maybe there's a case Brett Veach 
is, you know, if, if you got him a little truth serum, would he tell you that, you know, I wish the tr Chris Jones deal got done. So I could have maybe went after Deandre Hopkins more aggressively um, to, or something like that. Um, but I will say next year's draft. Yeah. I, I, I do think if, if, if it keeps going this way, I think you do need to just draft receivers, you know, pretty much every year you're going to mm -hmm. potentially cut MVS after this year, Justin Watson, um, you know, shouldn't necessarily be back. It really would just be Kadarius sky and Rasheed and Justin Ross, which, Hey, that's a pretty solid group, but you know, if none of them you know, develop, uh, you know, I think Rasheed maybe, you know, looks like on a good path right now. And, and again, we're going to see with sky as the season progresses, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I, I, I think you definitely want to draft pretty high, but we're not sure. I don't think you need to trade up. Uh, yeah, we, I, I, but we'll see. We can talk ourselves into the wide receiver room as it stands today. I think it's again, premature to start really worrying and panicking about who they have on the roster. I think if anything, they need to maybe focus. I think there's been others that made this comment as well, but need to focus on getting the, the right combination of receivers on the field and letting them, letting them cook, you know, give them some extended looks. You know, when you have, Justin Ross getting six or eight snaps like what that does that's never going to lead to any you know substantial production you've got to really have the right guys on the field getting comfortable with each other getting comfortable with Mahomes uh and have some continuity there and have some right. extended action uh for for a smaller group of receivers you can't do that with seven receivers so they're they're going to have to whittle their current group down before really knowing what they have and then I I will say Marvin Harrison Jr. looks like looks like you know the the best prospect since what Calvin Johnson like he he's really uh, a really spectacular wide receiver prospect uh, coming out of college yeah. this coming year he's gonna go top five and for the Chiefs to draft top five unless something goes catastrophically wrong with the rest of the season it's gonna cost them their entire draft and then some and it's just not gonna happen so so I, I wouldn't get your hopes up about Marvin Harrison jr coming to the Chiefs, but it is a good wide receiver class overall. And our, our draft team will be diving into that over the coming months. But I, I think you'll see he's not the only name uh, that that uh, should be in play. Yeah, there's there's guys out there. There's guys. Uh, Malik Neighbors or, and then uh, Adane Mitchell uh, or Xavier Worthy from Texas. Either of them, I think both of them are, are going to be fun. So definitely some receivers to be excited for in the draft next year, uh, potentially in that realm. But let's ask, let's answer Thomas Ramirez's question too. What was more disappointing, the wide receivers not catching the ball or wasting a good defensive game? Because it was a good defensive game from the unit. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that is an interesting question because as much as I was, you know, banging, you know, my head against the wall when Tony dropped his third, fourth pass of the game that, that would have set them up to a kick a game winning field goal. You know, it, it, when you think about it, yeah, you just feel bad for the defenders that really stepped up. I mean, I, I would say so. Yeah, again, the defense did what they needed to do. Um, could they have made a couple more plays, you know, on that last touchdown drive? Maybe. But overall, it, it was a very good effort by the defense. And, and this one does fall on the offense when it comes to blame. So that is quite disappointing. You know, it's interesting that the Chiefs, I always felt like they had trouble overcoming drops. I don't I don't know if it's only a Chiefs thing or if this happens across the league, but drops seem to really derail uh, an offensive drive. I don't know if it's just demoralizing for the receiver, for the quarterback, for both, for the play caller, probably like, hey, we had this drawn up. We got the guy right where he needed to be. The quarterback puts it right where it needs to be. You know, that's supposed to be a first down. That's supposed to be a conversion. I mean, the Chiefs were 
you know, one, two plays away from field goal range, you know, there at the end. And, and this really could have been a different story. So I still think the, the biggest disappointment is at, at the feet of the, the, the offense and, and really these receivers who we, we've been pretty excited about at different times for different players to have them all collectively struggle as much as they did. I mean, MVS had the one big highlight, uh, the best catch of the day in traffic, you know, took a hit. Uh, you know, that was a, a spectacular catch. But otherwise, the wide receiver room as a whole really, really struggled. And, and so that is disappointing. Yeah, no, it's it's true. And, and because we all did get really excited about them preseason. I mean, we all, you know, very, you know, hyped them up a lot. Uh, there's a reason they kept all seven. You know, we, hey, Amir Smith-Marset, you know, he might have he might have been able to make a play on Thursday. You know, I mean, that's that's, you know, they, they had a lot of guys in there making plays. So uh, you definitely were, you know, we're a little disappointed again with Sky. You know, I, I, you know, I was someone that was very confident we'd, we'd see an uptick in targets from him in week one, but excited to see everyone kind of develop. It'll, it, it definitely challenges them, put some pressure on them to develop. And that's never a bad thing. Uh, you know, this team, it's, it, it's easy to, you know, act like they can be, mo- you know, not have any, uh, any sort of, you know, Super Bowl hangover in terms of like being too confident. But hey, they did win a Super Bowl. And, you know, there are some things where maybe they, you know, needed a little reality check uh, to really, you know, zone in and, and, you know, progress, you know, these young players. Yeah. i am got it out of the way early. Uh, hopefully this is the one bad loss from the season, like the Colts game last year, where you look back and say, man, how'd they lose that game? Cause the rest of the season goes so well. So hopefully that's the way this goes. Uh, one more question here from Ted Lee defense played well, except for some missed tackles. Is that going to be, uh, it says missed tackles are going to happen. Did you see anything concerning from missed tackles uh, this week? I think I saw that. Did Snead uh, get credited with four missed tackles? Did I see that right? Yeah, and and I credited that too. Maybe, you know, Snead not playing a lot of the preseason. You know, he's been hurt. Um, But PFF did mark him with four missed tackles, led the team. It was actually the first time he's ever uh, marked four missed tackles in a game in his career, according to PFF. He's only hit three once before in his career. So very sure tackler. Um, we all know that. And so it's not something maybe to be concerned with, but it, he wasn't the only one. I think there were some other missed tackles too, but it's week one. The Lions are a physical team. Uh, you know, they have Dane Campbell as their head coach. They're going to be feisty and nasty. They probably went after it in training camp too. So, you know, I, I, I think they, was it that one play early in the game? Yeah. I mean, it, uh, uh, Jameer Gibbs barreled over Justin Reed and uh, Brian Cook back to back. So th- there were, there were some ugly moments, but it's week one. I think we we kind of always see this a little bit with Spags' defense, where it takes him a few weeks to to really get into tackling. He admits that. I bet he'll tell you that next time he talks to the media. Yeah, I mean, with the the fact that again, evolution of the CBA, they're not able to play in pads. They're not able to hit as much as they yeah. used to in training camp. Tackling is one of those things that you would expect to take a couple of weeks for them to really get in the flow of. Some of these guys haven't haven't had a lot of reps, live reps, tackling since last season. So, and, and some of those guys were in college when that happened. So this is, it's a young defense. Uh, it's, it's, you know, early in the season. I don't think it's anything to worry about quite yet. Again, from a, from a big picture perspective, they were able to get the lions off the field enough uh, on defense yeah. this last week that they did enough to win, especially missing their, their best player. And hopefully as we go to the next week, with Chris Jones in the fold, Travis Kelsey should be back in the fold. Uh, how are you feeling about the Jaguars matchup uh, for the Chiefs? 
Yes, let's get into that week two, which, you know, I'm just going to pretend it's week one. I, you know, they, it, it was weird, Stags. They did unveil the Super Bowl banner preseason week four. It was kind of odd. I'm not sure why they, they did that. Uh, you know, it's, it's yeah. week one starting on the road uh, in Jacksonville <laughs> season opener. We're feeling good. Uh, no, just it is it, it is important, though, Stags here. And, and may, I, I kind of had this as our last point, but let's start with it. It's really important they avoid going 0 and 2. I know no matter what, you know, even if you feel good about the team, you know, going 0 and 2, only 11% of NFL teams since I think it's like 1990 or something have made the playoffs. It's just a hard hole to overcome, especially in a hard AFC, even though the other teams contending with you are 0 and 1 somehow too. It 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 is it is really important that that, you know, there's a lot there's some pressure in this game to not start 0 and 2 and and kind of dig themselves in that hole when they still obviously have stuff to figure out, but I, I am interested to see, though, we talked about the Chiefs defense stepping up. They have a tougher time this this week, in my opinion, uh, especially like in the back end. Calvin Ridley looks back, uh, very back. Him and Trevor Lawrence's chemistry, their connection week one was was very impressive. And and he's going to be a tough task for for McDuffie, for Snead, whoever's really, uh, you know, tasked with following him in or out of the slot. Um, he's going to play outside a lot, too, obviously, but he's just going to play everywhere. But they still have Christian Kirk, who, if you guys remember, Gave Snead a lot of trouble last year in the regular season matchup. Uh, really torched him, honestly, a few times. Uh, they have Evan Ingram, who I think is a is a very tough matchup for a guy like Justin Reed. Uh, he'll have to step up. He's the guy usually covering tight ends and pass downs. Uh, Spags has has shown uh, very much so. And so, yeah, I, I think Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback too. Uh, you know, he can make more throws than Jared Goff. So, I think they have a very tough matchup uh, this week with the the Jaguars' pass game. But it's easier up front. I think, and, and especially having Chris Jones, right, Stags? I mean, that's that's kind of the key there. And the Jaguars' yeah. offensive line isn't that good, honestly. Yeah, I mean, they've got some talent. There's a lot of names I recognize when you look through the the list of their depth chart. Uh, but, you know, they haven't been able to put it all together from an offensive line perspective. But they are a talented team, especially across the skill the skill positions. And the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, is nobody to, to take lightly. Uh, this is a guy who went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs in the playoffs last year. Uh, and and gave them literally all they could handle uh, in that matchup. So uh, I think there's a there's a real concern here th- that you don't want to take this team lightly. Um, but yeah, they're passing offense. You know, Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk doesn't sound like murderers row for for receivers, but they do create some problems. And and I think Calvin Ridley uh, is starting to reestablish himself as a potential you know legit number one receiver in this league. Uh, so hopefully you get him on your fantasy team. And if so, you might want to – I don't know if you want to start him this week or not, but probably – you probably oh, do yeah. after last <laughs> week's performance. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Lawrence, I think, is ascending to that kind of quarterback where, mm-hmm. you know, he likes having that wide receiver one, and he's going to hammer him, and, and he's going to – and their offense is going to allow him to. But that's the thing. Up front, the Jaguars' offensive line is dealing with an injury, first of all. Brandon Scherf, one of their better guards uh, – I or – I think their best guard, obviously, he's a, a kind of a veteran signed to a good contract. He's dealing with an injury from week one. I don't think he'll be able to play. You know, they're starting Anton Harrison, who I loved as a draft prospect, but not someone maybe immediately I thought was going to be, a, you know, a great pass protect, you know, a, a great player. I think he needs a few more years before he's, you know, really, truly. You know, I, I do think he's, he, he's a solid player right away, too, but I think he just has a high ceiling. But he's still a rookie offensive tackle that Karloftis and Felix get to play. Felix played him quite a bit in the Big 12, right? Uh, you know, he's got some experience going against Anton Harrison, you know, as a pass rusher with K-State and him at Oklahoma. And so I think there's definitely a matchup to be exploited up front. And with Chris Jones back, 
I mentioned the guard injury. You know, they have a center who's pretty good, but it's the second year. I, I do think, you know, they're going to be able to get to Trevor Lawrence a little bit, and that's going to be the key to this game. If they can't get to Trevor Lawrence, even with Chris Jones, you know, that I think he's going to be able to to uh, to find exploit, you know, matchups to exploit in the secondary, um, especially because also, you know, Travis Etienne looks pretty good in, in the open field, and so he could have a similar Jameer Gibbs impact if they kind of get him going in that role as well. So it's 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 definitely one of those things where the Chiefs' offense is is going to have to, I think, you know, match with what you know, kind of keep up with scoring again, but. You know, hopefully it doesn't look like what they did last in week one. I mean, it can't. <laughs> Not with well, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, in, uh, in that um, in that vein, let's talk about their defense. They've got some they've got some pass rushers, at least in name, uh, that uh, should be up and coming. Uh, I haven't seen exactly what they saw in Trayvon Walker from last year, um, but yeah, you know, there's a couple of a couple of names on this defense. Uh, that they'll have to at least pay attention to. Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen had three sacks week one. So, I mean, he did tear up the Colts offensive line to an extent, although Anthony Richardson, you know, being a rookie quarterback is going to invite some sacks, maybe a little more, you know, than, than maybe uh, a, a typical quarterback would. But yeah, Trayvon Walker, you know, he's just a physical freak, but definitely not someone that has shown, you know, more than just that so far. And so he'll be, a, you know, a good test for, for guys like, you know, not even a good test, I should say, but I think he'll, you know, we have a good advantage in the matchup for, you know, guys like Jawan Taylor, Donovan Smith, veterans that can deal with kind of a physical freak, but doesn't have any, you know, plan to him. I think they kind of like dealing with those kind of guys, you know, mm-hmm. um, not having to, you know, maybe deal with the mental struggles or the mental game as much, maybe, but we'll see. I mean, it's only been, uh, you know, I, I didn't get to look too hard at the Jaguars defense week one. It looked like the Colts put some points on them. They were doing their thing. Uh, even with Richardson kind of maybe having some rookie struggles, they came down to it. Uh, you know, the Jags kind of had to pull that one out, out at the end, although they were helped by a, a really crazy defensive score. The Colts had a crazy fumble recovery that mm. probably shouldn't have happened. But uh, but all that to say is, is yeah, I, I think Chiefs offense has an, a, a good matchup this week. I think even better maybe than last week. I think the Lions defense is better than the Jaguars defense. Uh, they just have more playmakers. I think they proved that the Jaguars defense has a lot to be desired, uh, you know, in the back end, especially they're, you know, I will say uh, their corner's name. He he did he is good. Tyson Campbell. He's kind of coming on. He's a a low key player that's gonna you know be a, a well known name this year I think. Um, but besides that, they they have a lot of guys that names, but you know haven't put it all together. And so the Chiefs you know should have a should have an advantage if they have Kelsey back in the lineup and everything. Yeah, and I think this Chiefs team is going to be motivated to avoid that zero and two start uh, to get back on track to show that last week was a fluke when it comes to the receivers to show that, hey, the, the band's back together now with Kelsey and Chris Jones, and, and this is a Super Bowl contender again. They've got to reestablish themselves. they got to do it in a hurry. And I think they are they didn't expect to lose week one even without those guys. And so there's there's going to be some um, some extra added motivation from the Chiefs' side. And I think you, you'll see a big Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes game again. Uh, but uh, – Maybe some of those first week jitters won't be there for the receivers, and and this will be, uh, this will be more of a shootout uh, on the Chiefs side. Yeah, I think it will be, and and they're gonna have to be ready for that Jacksonville heat. And, you know, I know they train in training camp uh, in St. Joe, so they should be prepared. But you know, that early September Jacksonville heat is a lot. Um, these young receivers, you know, they're gonna have to play. You know, so you might see a healthy rotation of everybody: pass rushers, receivers, you know, running backs, just to keep everybody fresh. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I do think it, it'll be more of a track meet than anything. Uh, but Hey, if Chris Jones shows up and really blows it up, then, you know, I, I think there is a chance the chiefs could, 
could, you know, come out, you know, with a pretty comfortable win. Cause I think the rest of their defense played pretty solid. And so if Chris Jones is, is elite right away, I think the rest of the guys can kind of, you know, shore it up from there and maybe hold them to, you know, a decent, you know, point total and let the chiefs offense do their thing. So I don't know. Do we want to throw out predictions? I mean, I haven't even thought about a score prediction stacks. I don't, what, what do you think? I haven't either. I was just, just thinking the same thing. I mean, we can, we can agree that big picture, this is a, should be a bounce back game for the chiefs offense. Um, I, I could see it something like a, uh, about a touchdown, maybe a 10 point victory. Uh, call it something like uh, uh, 35, 24, something like that. I, I think that would be maybe my prediction. I, I haven't done that yet either, but uh, I, I think this is going to be a bounce back game for the offense and the Jaguars won't get shut out, but I think this chief's defense is going to continue to, to, to shine. You've got a lot of young players on that, on that defense that just, just, are playing solid football and should continue to get better. So I think that the arrows pointing up on the defense and the offense is going to going to try to spike off of a, a down week last week. Yeah, I will say the Colts secondary didn't have anybody like Trent McDuffie to help with Calvin Ridley. I think McDuffie. I'm I'm so excited to see him throughout the season. Just you know, I, I think we are going to see him ascend into you know one of the true elite corners, coverage corners, and and he looks like it to me. And he and he plays. You know, he comes up and plays. You know, the run well too. Big McDuffie fan. Excited to see him this season. Uh, but, but yeah, I, you know, it's funny. Before the season, uh, way early, I had a way too early predict season prediction, and and I had the Chiefs losing this game back in March or April or whatever. Actually, I guess it was like May when the schedule got released, and it was more just because like I do think you know coming off the high of Banner Night, you know, smacking the lines around a little bit. That was my thought process. <laughs> That did not happen, and so I think you're right. I think the motivation's flipped, and as much as the, the Jaguars should be motivated, obviously, from losing to the Chiefs last year in the playoffs and, and losing last year in the regular season as well, I think the Chiefs have, have a little more motivation trying not to start 0-2. Andy Reid, you know, going to do whatever it takes to win this game, come back to Arrowhead against the Bears week three, a little more comfortable in that setting. So I think you're going to see, you know, a big game from the Chiefs offense this week for sure. So I'm, I, I don't want to say, you know, a 10-point game, but uh, I'll, I'll give them a, a one-score win for sure, something like 38-31 or something. And there you have it for this week's edition of the Out of Structure Podcast. Matt Sagner here with Ron Cobb Jr. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll talk to you every week, uh, every Tuesday now. Make sure you get those questions in, rate and review. The, this podcast and the rest of the network and check out our work on arrowheadpride.com and we'll talk to you all next week. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.